and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And today on the show, we're talking about the eight new changes to the Residential Tenancies Act. Oh, these have just come in. They came in on the 12th of February, 2021. And we have seen a lot in the media about these. Lots of opinion articles on staff in the Herald. What I want to do in this episode, though, is break down what those eight changes are. Remember, we have gone over these in the past, but that was when they were first announced and now they're actually being introduced. One thing to note as well about these changes is that they are just one phase. They're in fact the second of three phases. Andrew, what's already been introduced? So on the 12th of August 2020, the two changes that came in was that rent can't be increased within a 12-month period. And then the second part of that is the government made an exemption for itself. So they're excluded from its own rule. That's right. And then next August as well, August 2021, two other changes are coming in. So these are around family violence. So firstly, a tenant can cancel the tenancy immediately if there's family violence and landlords have to give a 14 day notice to cancel a tenancy if there's family violence and the police have laid a charge. But the bulk of the changes have just been introduced, all eight of them. So we'll go back and forth within these so that you know the new laws that you've got to meet as a property investor. So Andrew, what's number one? So number one is all around security of tenure for a tenant. So making sure that they've got the ability to stay in a property for a longer period so that they can make more roots in the community, I think was the wording that they used. And so part of this means that there's a 90-day no-clause termination that no longer exists. So you can't just give your tenants notice and, and kick them out for no particular reason. You have to have a valid reason, such as the owner's moving in, and now they're 63 days, really odd number, 63 days rather than the 42 previously. Selling a property is another trigger. That's now 90 days rather than 42. And I'll come back to something else there about that. And the last one is changing to a commercial property, demoing it, renovating. That's another 90 day. So you've got to actually have one of these triggers. And with the renovation or the demolition, the works have to have actually been completed 90 days after the termination date. Or rather, they should have started. So it should have started. Okay, so if you think you're just going to tell your tenant that you're going to do the renovations and then you kick them out and just find another tenant, you could fall foul of the law there. Now, just one interesting thing, I just had one of my clients come in and talk to me about potentially selling one of their older rental properties. And she said that she'd been to some open homes at the weekend and one of the agents had made the comment that the 90-day sale trigger is actually going to cause some problems for people that are purchasing a property that's currently tenanted with insurance. Now, the situation is if you're buying a property that's already there and you're going to move into that property, then insurance is normally, if you go and get an insurance certificate or a certificate of currency before you purchase a property, normally they're only valid for 50 days. So they expire before the 90 days is up. So if you're going to live in that property and there's already a tenant in there, that means that the person that's selling the property has to give notice to the tenant first and then start to market it after those number of days have gone, 40 days have gone. The next change I want to talk about, number two in our list, is that fixed term tenancies now automatically roll over to periodic. And what that essentially means is that if you've got a 12-month fixed tenancy, at the end of those 12 months, if the tenant wants to stay on, they can. They don't have to move out. It can just roll over to periodic. 
They still have some value though. If you've got a minimum of 12 months that your tenant has agreed to, that does give you security of rent coming in because they still have to stay there for that minimum of 12 months. So these still will be useful, particularly for those investors who are operating in towns where there are a lot of students. So student towns, I'm talking Palmerston North or Hamilton, where you want to lock in some of these student tenants for the whole year rather than putting them on periodic and having them only stay for eight months. So there's definitely still value in fixed term tenancies. But if those tenants want to stay there, it just rolls over onto periodic unless you agree otherwise, or if the tenant gives 28 days notice in that case. Andrew, what's number three on the list? Number three is that minor changes to the rental properties can't be declined. Now, these are things like curtains, doorbells, earthquake proofing or baby proofing. Basically, the process here now is if a tenant wants to change one of these things or renovate the property in a particular way, so long as it's minor, then the tenant applies to the landlord in writing. The landlord must respond within 21 days. Now, the tenant does have to pay the installation costs and at the end of the tenancy, they must uninstall the whatever they've done or, or return it to the same condition. So a minor change is something that has low risk of damaging the property. It has to be easily reversed. So again, you know, if you're going to do something like paint a wall, then obviously that's no big deal. It doesn't pose a risk to health and safety. doesn't compromise the structural integrity, water tightness or character of the property. doesn't affect anyone's enjoyment of use of the property doesn't require consent and doesn't breach any regulatory rules. Now, one question I had from a listener of the show was, well, with this new rule coming in, what if it's a brand new house? And obviously, if your tenant's going to paint your brand new house wall orange because they want an Andrew Nickel feature wall from <laughs> back when you were first renovating your properties, Andrew, there's nothing to stop your tenant from doing that. Yeah, and so this is probably a conversation that your property managers are going to want to have with tenants. Now, you don't want to start putting ideas in their head that they can go and paint walls orange, but obviously, you know, you might, as a property manager, start asking more questions like, you know, are you planning on having any kids anytime soon? Is there anything about the property that you're unhappy with or that you want to change? But again, you're going to have to moderate this because we don't all of a sudden want this to become repainting a house every time a tenant moves in and leaves. The real issue here as well is that, it all sounds very well and good allowing the tenant to make changes, minor changes to a property. The issue comes when the workmanship is poor. So if your tenant does a really poor job painting something because they forgot to sugar soap it ahead of time and they only did two coats rather than three and then they don't really take care when they're returning it to the same condition and it's not really the same condition, that's when you're going to start having issues. To be honest, I do think that this is one of those rules that really won't have much of an effect though. I don't think there are going to be many tenants that are willing to shell in to their own pocket to start putting in doorbells and changing the curtains. Fair enough. Let's head on to number four. Four, which is no rental bidding. So you can now no longer advertise a rental property without a price and solicit bids from potential tenants. Now, one thing that I do think we may see is that instead of running a rental auction, landlords may just put prices up and then gradually reduce them till they find a tenant. Now, this is what's called a Dutch auction. So a Dutch auction is where you start the price really high and gradually reduce it until the one bidder says, yes, I'll take it for that amount. And so I expect that perhaps we'll see it this way, where rents will get pushed up and then slowly advertise brought down to the point where one person says, yes, I'll take it for that. And that may actually lead to a similar amount of price inflation 
especially if people are listing properties for higher amounts and that becomes a new market rate. I'm not saying that will happen, but what I am saying is that's something that I would certainly be thinking about. The next one is installation of fibre broadband. So tenants, again, have the right to be able to do this, and this kind of falls into the same subcategory of the minor changes. So again, a tenant has to apply in writing, and so the landlord doesn't have the right to say no anymore, unless there's a valid reason, such as the installation is going to affect weather tightness or they're about to start renovations, and so the tenant's going to end anyway. But of course, if you need to get permission from your neighbour in order to be able to install fibre, or if you're part of a body corporate and there are other reasons why you're not able to get in fibre because you've got other people blocking you, then that's kind of a valid reason as well because you're not able to go ahead and do that on your own. Next is one we've been talking about for a while. Number six on our list is suppression of names in tenancy tribunal rulings. So now you can apply to have your details removed, your name removed from tenancy tribunal rulings if you were successful in your claim. So if you were the winner there, and that's going to mean that some more of these tenancy tribunal rulings will be more anonymous. So if you're a tenant who has taken your landlord to the tribunal and you've won, then you won't be able to search through that anymore. Now, as landlords, perhaps if you have got a meddlesome tenant, if I can use that, who likes to be quite active and they regularly win, that means you might not be able to search through that anymore. Look, I don't think, again, that's some great big loss. It's really only the cases where maybe the tenant's lost and they're just maybe a problematic tenant. If it's a problematic landlord, then I guess it's fair that actually people shouldn't be named and shamed. Yeah, but to be fair, you can still win and be a meddlesome tenant. Yeah. You know, if you're going to be particularly litigious, then a landlord may not particularly want you there. But of course, the law would say, well, if they won, they won. Next is tenancies can be assigned. So this is a really interesting one. So a tenant can make a written request to assign their tenancy to someone else. And the landlord must consider all requests on a case-by-case basis and not decline unreasonably. So the landlord, again, must respond in writing within a reasonable time period. I don't think they actually have a time period set out on this. It's just what's reasonable. And when given consent, the landlord can include reasonable conditions. Or instead of consenting, they can ask the tenant to return the property to the landlord in reasonable terms. Now, just thinking this through, if I'm a landlord and I've got a nice young couple that are living in the house and then all of a sudden they want to assign it to someone who has three rock wheelers, then I might not want to take on that tenant. So it'll be interesting to see what's reasonable and what's not. And there's often the word reasonable in law and you need a few test cases to see what is and isn't reasonable. I'd expect to see some tenancy action here. So somebody's going to be upset because they put forward their friend and the landlord doesn't want to assign that tenancy to that new person. Now, one of the interesting things with quite a few of these different changes as well, Andrew, is that it is an unlawful act for the landlord not to reply to the tenant within, in this case, a reasonable time frame for some of the previous ones. It's, there's a 21-day period that the landlord has to respond within. So there is increasing administration around being a landlord if you're not using a property manager. Of course, if you've got a property manager, then most of this will be covered by them and they're going to be Absolutely. one doing the day-to-day. And lastly, the last one I want to talk about, number eight, is that landlords must keep better records, speaking of greater administration. So they must provide a copy of the tenancy agreement and they must have records around how healthy homes assessments and maintenance records, things like that. Again, your property manager is going to be taking care of that if you're using one. Certainly there is a lot more administration around being a landlord here. Now, let me ask you this, Andrew. Take a quick poll between the two of us. Of these eight changes, 
which are the major ones for you or what's the major one for you? I think the biggest one for me is the automatic change to a periodic tenancy after a fixed term tenancy. That's probably the, the one that's going to have the biggest impact because people will accidentally end up with longer term tenants than they imagine. Oh, that's interesting. The one that was interesting for me is this 90-day no-cause termination. Not that lots of landlords use it. I believe only 2% of tenancies are ended using that, but it's a useful seatbelt, if I can use that term. When you have a car crash tenant, that is your seatbelt to get out of that situation and survive it. Now, not every car that goes down the road is going to have a car crash, but when that happens, your seatbelts are certainly very useful. So I've always thought of the 90-day cause termination as a seatbelt for landlords. And perhaps that means that we're all going to be driving around a little bit more carefully, being a little bit more selective of the risks that we take on. And one last question for you. There's usually, whenever we see more regulation coming into the market, people think, oh, it's going to drive landlords out of the market. It's going to have unintended consequences for tenants because there's going to be fewer landlords around. Are we really seeing that in practice? Yeah, definitely not. And certainly with interest rates at all-time lows, despite the fact that money's hard to get at the moment, if you can get it, people are buying property, and why wouldn't you? But I think the biggest thing is actually you'll see a big shift of DIY investors managing their own properties to using a property manager. And of course, we did just recently release that episode on the top seven property managers around the country. If you haven't checked that out yet, make sure you go back and give that one a listen. Fantastic. Let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you've got a topic that you'd like us to talk about here on the show, give us a text. Our number is 5522. It'd be great to hear from you. listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time, 